The bow crashed into the trough of the giant wave with a shudder. Confined below decks, the company of soldiers suffered through the cold and damp air, fouled by the rancid smell of vomit. Private Henry W. Anderson wrote in his journal, January 16, 1918, Wednesday. Conditions rotten beyond words. Air damp and cold. Feeding fishes. The RMS Carpathia, famous for rescuing the survivors of the Titanic disaster in 1912, served as a transport between America and England, ferrying troops for the Great War raging in Europe. The year is 1918. The first leg of the trip to Halifax was cold and rough. Despite the ship's size, 541 feet overall and 64 feet in beam, it was tossed violently in the rough seas. Arriving finally after three days, the great liner anchored at the head of Halifax Harbor, awaiting the other vessels that would form a convoy to Glasgow, Scotland. The weather cleared somewhat, and on January 19th, the day after making port, the soldiers were allowed on deck. Nice to get a bit of fresh air, eh, Andy? Lee Gray was from Chicago, just eighty miles as the crow flies from Andy's family hometown of Rockford, Illinois, and had befriended the twenty-one-year-old Henry Andy Anderson of Santa Cruz while struggling to keep the passage rations down in the rough seas. The two young American recruits strolled the deck together, their first time at sea. I cannot imagine what a trip across to England will be like after that, Andy replied, happy to breathe the clean harbor air and stretch his legs on deck. Will you look at that? While the European war seemed remote, there was ample evidence of the conflict even here, on the coast of Canada. A massive explosion had rocked this port in Nova Scotia just over a month before, when the munitions ship, Mont Blanc, filled with 3,000 tons of explosives bound for the war, and the Belgian relief ship Imo collided. A fire started, and after the crew abandoned ship, the Mont Blanc exploded, laying waste to two and a half square miles of the city in a mostly working-class section. Two thousand were killed, and more than six thousand wounded. The men stared in silence at the giant debris field that once had been a part of the town. For a young man from Rockford, this had already been the trip of a lifetime. Rockford was located northwest of Chicago and had been populated by industrious Swedish and Irish immigrants. Among them was Lars Johan Andersen of Harnesta Village, Monktorp Parish, Vosmanland, Sweden. The son of Lars Anders made his living repairing shoes in his own repair business and running the village's commercial scales. Andy Anderson had left home and moved to the San Francisco Bay Area in April 1917, just three days before President Wilson declared war on Imperial Germany. His parents visited him in California, and so liked the area that by July his father had sold his business and moved west to San Jose. Andy's mother Carolina, sister Ruby, and brother Sam followed by mid-September. 
The letters were all written in Andy's schooled style, but in French. Certain phrases that I could understand caught my eye. It would take a while to piece all this together, especially using my computer translator. My first thought, who was Antoine? I remember my mother telling me Grandpa Andy had served in France during World War I, but no one in the family really knew what he had done or where he had been. My mother had compiled a comprehensive family history that included extensive genealogy and family scrapbooks, organized by family name on both my maternal and paternal sides. I would start there. The histories were stored in boxes in the attic, 